familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Many moms choose to feed their babies breast milk or formula based on advice from friends or family or recommendations from doctors. We know breast milk is best for our babies, but do we know why? Can what we feed them really make a difference in our baby's health? Today, we're exploring how breast milk can boost your baby's immune system. This is The Boob Group. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk. What's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva. Don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk never had to pump. Breast milk. All udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group because mothers know breast. Welcome to The Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. The Boob Group is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for all things related to breastfeeding. I'm your host, Leilani Wild. I'm also an IBCLC and owner of Leilani's Lactation and Doula Services. Thanks for tuning in today and being a loyal listener of The Boob Group. Don't forget to visit our website at newmommymedia.com and subscribe to our newsletter for updates on new episodes. You can stay connected by downloading our free apps available on Android, iTunes, and Windows devices. Here's Sunny with more information on how you can become part of the Boob Group. Yes, we love for you guys to get involved with our show. We love hearing from our listeners. So yeah, so there's a couple different segments you guys can participate in. The easiest thing is actually to go to our website at newmommymedia.com and go to the Boob Group portion of that website and you can click on segments and see all the different segments you can submit for. But there's a couple that I'll highlight here. Uh, We'd love to hear from you guys and uh, know what you think about our show. If there was an episode that you really liked or you'd like more information on, we just like to hear from you. So any comments that you have like that, uh, send them our way. We'll include some of those um, on the show. Also, we have a fun segment called our Boob Oops segment, which is where you guys can share your funny breastfeeding and pumping stories, funny things that have happened between you and your baby. And uh, we've all had them, right? So let's go ahead and share them and just kind of get a nice laugh at that one. Um, Mama Hacks is a segment that we do where we share our different hacks that we've discovered as breastfeeding and pumping moms. So perhaps it's a trick that you do when you're pumping or maybe you've discovered something with breastfeeding um, that could help other mamas out there. And so we'd love for you to submit for those different segments and you can go to our website and go to the contact link if you just want to send us an email. But if you would like to share the, the story, your story yourself, you can basically leave us a voicemail. Call 619-866-4775 and uh, we'll include your response um, on a future episode. So so today in our studio and on Skype, we'll be introducing um, our panelist and expert. And 
our panelist today is? Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm a full-time mom of four, uh, two girls and two boys, ages 10, 8, 6, and 3. Nice. And all of them were breastfed. Excellent. Yay. Excellent. And our expert today is? Hello, I'm Maureen Minchin. Um, I help create the international lactation consultant profession, uh, although I'm no longer an IBCLC because I've gone into teaching um, and educating health professionals far more than actual practice at the moment. Yeah, and Maureen is joining us from Australia, which is super cool. It's not every day that we talk to someone from Australia. So welcome to the show, Maureen. Thank you. <coughs> Sounds familiar. If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Okay, so uh, before we get into the heart and soul of our show today, we are going to talk about a funny thing that I saw online. This is a news headline, and it says, Brexting, texting while breastfeeding, the newest feeding trends, pros and cons. So I love it when they kind of mash up words. It's kind of funny to me. And so texting while breastfeeding, this is from a psychologist, basically coined this phrase. Um, And what they're saying is if you are breastfeeding while holding your smartphone next to your baby, that is what breastfeeding texting is. Um, And they're saying that um, it's not necessarily a good thing because you can be missing out on some very important cues from your baby that they're full, still hungry, the latch isn't working, you know, all the different issues that we can have while breastfeeding. And um, then they're also concerned that it's really impacting or affecting negatively the time that you have with your baby. Uh, I know a lot of moms, I am actually not a Brexter, but I've wanted to become a Brexter. But after reading this article, I'm kind of like, well, maybe I don't. Um, because I, you know, we like to multitask, right? And breastfeeding is one of those things where you're, you're sitting with your baby or whatever, and it takes some discipline plan to really just be in the moment and it's so easy for us to grab our smartphones and just start you know going through and uh, checking up you know Facebook and statuses and all that crazy stuff or texting other people and so um, yeah I can totally see where they're going with this and, and and it is really important even you know for you know you know they say don't you know have your kids you know all consumed up in technology and the screen time and all that kind of stuff if you think about it yeah you're the one that's really you know doing the screen time but at the same time it's so close to your baby's face and the light and you know what I mean all that kind of stuff so wanted to throw this out there Alicia um, Brexting are you a Brexter uh, yes you are a Brexter <laughs> you're a self-confessed Brexter yes. okay <laughs> Tell but us about I will that. say I never had my phone on me when I was doing everything else with the baby so okay. once I had the, the baby nursing and kind of in the groove and everything that's when I would grab my phone and start getting caught up on all of the things that I had missed for, you know, the last two hours that I wasn't nursing. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Seems, feels like we're always nursing, yes. right? <laughs> what do you think, Leilani? What do you think about this article? 
Well, you know, I think that they do bring out an important fact in which is about you know, connecting with your baby because that's a special time for moms and babies is is the only time they don't have to share right. that time with right. that baby. You know, in other situations, you know, um, if they were um, maybe giving a baby a bottle, anyone could do that. But no one can breastfeed your baby for right. you, right? So so I can understand their point in that and maybe um, recognizing that this time in their life is such a short time mm-hmm. that they should try to remember that and focus on on their baby. Maybe do it when the baby's sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Know, texting when the baby's sleeping That's instead. That's true. That's true. Maureen, what do you think of this article and the idea of brexting? Well, I think it's interesting that nobody has mentioned um, the physical radiation that's involved in having phones close to babies. There are some concerns about the kind of uh, exposure that um, phones and their high power can actually have on on our heads, <laughs> apart from anything else. Um, and many people now use headphones in order to distance themselves from their phones. So I don't know. I would have thought that there were good reasons physically to actually avoid doing too much of this if it involves the phone being too close to a very young baby. Um, they'll be soon exposed to all of these things in their own right. And uh, I think starting them when they're as young as still at the breast, I think perhaps isn't a great idea. On the other hand, I don't see that there's anything wrong with a mum putting her feet up and watching the telly or doing something else while feeding. Um, Some of the time, yes, you do want to make sure you remember those special moments and things, but, you know, a lot of feeding can be pretty repetitive and, you know, there's no harm in occasionally just not worrying too much about the intensity of the relationship or anything like that, just getting on with with living and relaxing yourself. Um, So I'm a bit of a, I might not want to see too much brexting happening, but I think it might be for different reasons than perhaps the authors. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I I mean, the the person that came up with this, you know, the phrase brexting, again, he's a a psychologist. So maybe that's the reason that this article is slanted, because from a psychologist standpoint, he's thinking about the relationship and and that kind of stuff as opposed to the actual, you know, like you were talking about the radiation or, you know, mm, the physical yeah. side of stuff. And, so. and yeah, I think it's important that mums do be in the moment with their babies. But but we're also people who sometimes just want to not be in the moment with our right. babies too. Yeah, it's very true. All it right. is a time to allow yourself to zone out, I have yeah. to say. I'm not a TV watcher, so that right. was never my my thing, and I could never coordinate it to nurse and, like, read a book. Right. <laughs> so it was just easier. It's and like I have patting to... your head and rubbing your belly, I feel like. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. really hard to do. <laughs> and I'm really bad because now that I think back, it, I remember I would, like, kind of lay the phone in the crook of the baby's hip <laughs> to, like, have a little <laughs> recliner for it. So it wasn't near their head, but it was right, right on their hip. Right, right, right. Uh, well, you we do what we got to do, right? <laughs> Multitasking. Multitasking. It is, is, right? All right, we'll put this link up on Facebook and you guys can check it out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So 
So today on the Boob Group, we're discussing how breast milk boosts your baby's immune system. Our expert, Maureen Mitchin, an IBCLC and author of the book called Milk Matters, which is about infant feeding and immune disorders. She lives and practices in Australia, and she's joining us via Skype. Thank you for joining us, Maureen. Thanks for having me. Maureen, what protective properties does breast milk have that formula doesn't? Oh, there are so many. Um, the book I've written is 840 pages and lots of them deal with it. Um, it's a case of breast milk is not just a bunch of nutrients. It's actually a living fluid. It is something that is designed to create the right balance of microbes in the gut to immunize the baby and to pass on much of the immune factors that the mother has accumulated in her life um, to help repair any damage that's happened and to help create patterns of development. And for that reason, it's got so many different sorts of um, things that can't possibly be in an infant formula, hormones and enzymes and stem cells. Stem cells, for instance, have only recently been discovered and we're thinking that they may be really quite critical in, in the way that babies can develop. Um, they We know they can migrate away from the gut to other areas and perhaps they help to repair any damage that occurred during the pregnancy. They're just beginning to investigate so many of those possibilities. It samples the whole environment that the mother is in, everything that she breathes and touches and eats is sampled and presented to the baby in manageable doses along with all of the factors that are needed to help the baby adjust to those things and develop tolerance of the particular environment that it's in. There simply is no way that anybody can create a living liquid. Um, you know, it was called white blood in many cultures, and that's exactly what it is. It's to consider to compare it with um, infant formula is like comparing maybe ketchup with blood. <laughs> Blood's a living tissue, full of all sorts of things, absolutely essential for normal development. And you know, tomato ketchup might look like it, but basically, it doesn't do the same jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the immune disorders, how do they play a part in our infant's nutrition? We feed the bacteria in our guts and from birth we want to establish within the gut a healthy community of bacteria that break down our foods and that feed us because we can't absorb much of what's in our foods before the bacteria actually do that process of breaking down. If you have the wrong bacteria in your gut, you get all sorts of digestive problems and you can get all sorts of nutritional problems and behavioral problems even as well because the wrong bacteria can create toxic byproducts that actually affect how the baby develops, not just physically but also um, behaviorally, cognitively, those sorts of ways. Um, even temperamentally, the, they're now looking at whether or not the cortisol that's produced in the gut um, has an influence on on temperament development in children. So there's a range of things. The serotonin that's the happy hormone is created in the gut. And if you've got the wrong bacteria, you don't get um, the right balance of serotonin in the body. So there are so many different ways in which the gut itself has to be created after birth by communicating with the bacteria that are put into that gut. And so the mother's microbiome, that's the collection of 
all of the microbes, I'll call them bugs from here on because it's easier than trying to say bacteria and viruses and everything else under the sun. Um, the bugs that the mother passes over, there's something like 700 different species have been measured in um, breast milk. They're all the ones that are actually good for the baby and they communicate with the naive infant gut and create the structures in the gut that will enable them to colonize and to persist there so that they can do their job of breaking down foods and producing all of these byproducts that actually are helpful and that continue the growth of the baby. Now, when you put formula into a gut, it's not just simply that formula doesn't do what breast milk does, it does other things. It provides a, a different environment for different bacteria and those bacteria, those bugs of all descriptions can actually be, um, can create a microbiome that makes the child much more likely not only to have infections um, and to have uh, physical um, problems like allergy and the rest of it, but also it can actually have effects on developing temperament and behavior and cognition and, and all of those things. There are some studies that have been done that show that um, the digestive byproducts of formula in, in, in a laboratory um, are toxic to human gut cells. And it's not, so it's not just what's in the formula, it's what happens to the formula in the gut and how that then affects the baby. Now, human milk, no matter how bad the mother's diet, um, and many mothers do have bad diets, we just have to accept that that's going to be a reality. Human milk is always going to be better for the baby than any industrial product that has been produced using heat treatment and starting out with a base of non-human products. A mother has to be on a really seriously toxic um, situ situation before her milk is not better than formula. And yet all our emphasis on good diet sometimes has, well, we do want mothers to have good diet for their own sake, obviously, and for the sake of their babies. All of the talk about good diet sometimes means that mothers feel, oh, it's probably safer for me to get a formula because that would have everything the baby needs because that's what the advertising says. And they don't realise just how unique and special their own milk is, how they're transmitting their own cells, their own immune memory, their own experience of life to the baby via their breast milk. And nothing can do that other than breast milk. So what about another mom's milk introduced into the, the gut of the baby? Because um, you're saying that each mom has about 700 different bugs, is that what you're calling it? That's right. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So if you're introducing another mom's milk into a baby's gut, how does that, um, does that double, does that protect the baby That actually more? can be a benefit because the fact of the matter is that mother too has sampled her environment and has produced not only the things that are appropriate for that, but also because along with the along with the bugs go the antibodies and the other immune factors that modulate how the baby can handle those things. So if you're using someone else's fresh milk, um, you're looking at, in fact, getting other, a range of other bacteria certainly, but also the antibodies to those bacteria. So you're widening the immunization of the baby along, along the way there. And that's why it was typical of many communities that mothers would share um, feeding their babies. They'd pass their baby across to somebody else or if they were too busy or they didn't have enough milk or whatever. 
the the business of sharing feeding a baby is actually probably as old as human beings and while we don't we can't encourage it as actively in modern society we shouldn't be too concerned about it when it occurs and within the friendship groups that i had i would say that we probably all fed our friends babies at some point in time um you know we'd leave them with them while we went and did something um for a short time but if we were a bit late back and the baby had been crying we'd given permission for those uh, that other mother to put the baby to the breast if that was needed to calm the baby um and so you know this is that's really quite a, a normal natural thing to do you get into more need for consideration if it's not fresh milk fresh from the breast of the mother but something that has been heat treated and pasteurized um, certainly still as long as there's been care in in looking after it that's going to be preferable when who the world health organization was asked about these things they rank the, in terms of preference, there's mother's own fresh milk, mother's own expressed milk, another mother's fresh milk, another mother's expressed milk, um, heat-treated milk. You know, you go down, infant formula comes down at about number five of what's the, the ways that you would uh, choose to feed a baby if you had those other options. Alicia, were you aware of the protection that your breast milk offered your baby? Not so detailed, but I have to say, Maureen, I think you must have come to me in my sleep before I had children, <laughs> because <laughs> everything that you just said sums up why I did, why I made sure that all four of mine were breastfed. Um, and I couldn't uh, have ever described it the way you did. Um, my instinct, though, told me that it was the right thing to do. I don't want to say the right thing to do, but told me that the you know we don't make it for no reason. We make it in order to um, to feed a baby and you you're you have a baby inside your body for so long and then I think that just continues the development absolutely right so what about in regards to you know a mom that is exclusively pumping because I know that there's a difference between a mom breastfeeding her baby when she has direct uh, saliva contact right when the baby's um, bugs, so to speak, are passing through the breast milk and making antibodies and giving it back to the baby. Um, in regards to the protection um, for long-term health for mom and long-term health for baby, is is there an advantage to a mom in a situation where um, she cannot or for some reason is not able to breastfeed but she needs to pump? If a mum has to pump, first of all, I think they should be given gold medals for perseverance because it's not easy and they're not getting as much positive feedback as the mother who's breastfeeding, whose baby is stimulating the release of hormones through the entire time of physical closeness. For a mother to successfully pump and express is much harder work than for a mother to breastfeed. So hats off to those mothers who are forced by circumstances to do it. But on the other hand, the value of actually having the baby at breast is there. And if you can do that even for part of the time, it's obviously preferable. Now, there are very few cases, but there are some, where really, you know, exclusive pumping is all that's possible. Those mothers are still providing their microbiome to the baby. It's not just their skin bacteria. The, the, the bugs are actually in the milk and the milk passes over the skin when it's being expressed. So it will be um, in 
in their milk and the, it, their body will have made the antibodies to anything that might be harmful and will have passed on the memory cells and so on that are involved in um, protecting the baby via the history of the mother's own immune system. So yes, all of the cells will be in the milk, but the fresher the milk is when it's fed to the baby, the better. Um, and the uh, value of breastfeeding itself shouldn't be underrated for all sorts of reasons. The experience of feeding from uh, the skin-to-skin contact of, of your mother and and the skin-to-skin contact with your baby, those are things that are really powerful in ways that we don't know. They reduce stress levels in the mother. A mother who is pumping is probably a mother who is much more stressed than a mother who is actually breastfeeding. And I think we should be valuing both breastfeeding and breast milk as things to be encouraged separately if need be, um, but preferably together. So, Maureen, what happens to our baby's future health if they consume breast milk and then they too feed their babies with their breast milk? If we can manage to have our babies from birth, skin to skin, and exclusively breastfeed them, we've got the best chance of making sure that the genes that they inherit are expressed the right way. The problem with early exposure to formula has been that because it changes the gut microbiome, which I talked about, it changes the expression of genes in the baby's body as well. And um, we need to start changing back towards uh, what would have been the case um, had we not done that. Um, It sounds complicated, but really it's not. Uh, The issue we haven't talked about is the fact that all of us, the egg that's going to be us, begins in our grandmother's womb inside the woman who is going to be um, the baby that's going to grow up to be our mother. So we're affected by the gestation of our mother, the pregnancy that our grandmother has with our mother, and we're also affected by the pregnancy during which our mother carries us. We think now that exclusive breastfeeding is going to be the way back towards the normal patterns that we had because the changes in genes aren't permanent. The epigenetic changes that happen in the expression of genes aren't permanent. They last for a few generations and they can be inherited and passed on. But in fact, they can also um, simply revert back if they're no longer being triggered in the ways that they were. So when we come back, we will discuss with Maureen what we should do if our babies are experiencing colic, reflux, or any other diet-related distress. We will be right back. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to the show. We're here with Maureen Minchin, and we're learning about how breast milk can protect our baby's immune system. Maureen, many moms struggle with colic and or reflex. Um, What is the cause of this? Basically, a lot of that comes from the wrong gut environment having been set up, the wrong bugs being put into babies. Um, And when you get diagnoses like colic and reflux, you're really just describing symptoms that are describing how the baby's body is trying to deal with things. Reflux is a baby's body trying to push things back up and out. Um, Really loose, runny, diarrhea-type stools are 
the baby's body trying to push that milk um, or whatever the food is out as fast as it can. Vomiting and diarrhea are things that while they can become illnesses in their own right because they can continue to the point of being harmful, when they first start happening, they are signs that the baby's body is saying something's wrong here. And if you simply try to suppress a symptom without finding what the cause is, you're likely to do much more harm. Most of the common causes of gut distress in babies relate to feeding. So you go through a process of eliminating simpler causes. Um, you know, is the baby too hung? Is the baby hungry? Are they being adequately fed? And when you're looking at babies, you always have to keep monitoring their growth because the two things that tell you whether you're getting things right are if the baby is growing well and if they're happy. And if they're not growing well or they're not happy, then there's something wrong and you need to do something about it. So you you put the baby in a healthy environment. If you have to look at changing the mother's diet, you do. And you'll sometimes find it can take up to two to three weeks of real complete elimination of a food before you'll see changes. In some cases, you'll see changes within 24, 48 hours, but that's rarer than taking a longer time. So you, you need to change the mother's diet and you will find that it makes a big difference to the baby. However, because breast milk is meant to make babies tolerant of foods, you don't take out any more foods for any longer than you really need to. And you try to get those foods back into the baby's diet while they're still breastfeeding. And that's why prolonged breastfeeding past six months is useful because you can go on breastfeeding some of the time and the baby has got a fallback position. If in fact they find that they're not coping too well with this, then they can go back to breastfeeding for a bit um, and then go back to eating foods again, um, you're more likely to de develop tolerance if other foods are introduced while breastfeeding is still going on. I have a perfect example of this, actually. My last baby, we had so many things happen with that, and it, I'm really glad that I'm here today, actually, with this conversation, because when he... I have to think back. So um, at three months, he had gone to the, baby, to the doctor for a well baby check, and I was breastfeeding exclusively. And at five months, um, we took him in for, I think I thought he had an ear infection. So they checked him over and he was fine. However, he wasn't gaining um, weight very quickly or on schedule. And so um, they suggested doing half breast milk, half formula. And I didn't love it. And so I didn't quite do half and half. I did more like 70, 30, 70% breastfeeding, 30% formula. And we went back about a month later and um, he gained no weight. So basically from the time he was three months old to the time he was almost six months old, he gained no ounces, which is really bad for a baby. And so his pediatrician, I, um, the, the office that we were going to, uh, told me immediately to take him off of breastfeeding to fully 100% formula feed him and that I had to bring him back in two days. And if he hadn't gained at least two ounces, they were going to take him away from me. They were going to hospitalize him. And they were going to take it from there, is what she told me. And so I, it was the day before Thanksgiving that this happened. So she said, you're coming back here on Friday in between Thanksgiving and Saturday. And so I went to Facebook and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm doing everything right. I didn't breastfeed because I wanted to be like greatest mom ever. I did it because it seemed it was the natural, correct thing to do. That It's what worked for me naturally. And so I went to Facebook and a friend of mine who whose mother is a lactation consultant, um, they live in Ohio, immediately got on uh, my page and said, um, I need to put my mom in touch with you. Now, mind you, it's like midnight where they are now. 
And she said, my mom, you know, we're going to get in touch with you. Her mom called me that night, told me, don't stop breastfeeding. Go, you know, quit the, quit the formula. Um, and I'm going to put you in touch with the lactation consultant in your area. Found one in my zip code. She was like three minutes away. I called her that night. So it was 9.15 our time that night. And um, called her and she called me back within five minutes. I left this the hysteric message on her voicemail. She called me back within five minutes and she said, um, your, your friend's mom is absolutely right. Do not stop breastfeeding. I will be there Friday morning. I will take care of this. You are not taking him back to the doctor on Friday to do you know, what they've told you to do. We'll, you know, I'll get this taken care of with you. And so I, it calmed me down a lot. Friday morning she came over. She brought her scale so that she could weigh him and then had me feed him and then weigh him again so she saw that he was taking for he was taking milk in from me um and he was so happy she's like this is not a miserable baby something is going on here that there's a disconnect between your milk and him gaining weight so we just need to figure that out and so the first thing she said to me was are you willing to take gluten and dairy out of your diet just to see if that helps him and i said absolutely i'll do whatever i need to if that's what it takes and then I thought for a second and said, oh, my gosh, <laughs> it goes my life without gluten, but I can do this. Um, so that was, yes, that was Friday, I believe, um, after Thanksgiving. And so uh, as of um, Saturday, I started it. And she did tell me, don't expect anything for two weeks. It takes two weeks to get those proteins out of your system. And so we just went with it. And from that two-week point to a month later, he gained a pound. Wow. A pound. Wow. Yes. And from then on, he gained and gained and gained and gained. And so I kept mm -hmm. gluten and dairy out of our diet um, completely that whole time until he was one. And then um, I would introduce it here and there. Gluten actually, I found out, bothers me, which is why I was bothering him. And then dairy, mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. never, mm -hmm. he has never been a baby to drink milk. And did other people lose symptoms as well as you and the baby? So thank you for asking that, actually. my His brother, who was three years older than him, had all kinds of problems as an infant and he was also diagnosed failure to thrive no one ever figured this out um, I was ha I was do I was doing a mix of breastfeeding and formula with him once um, he was about seven months old and I went back to work full-time um, and he was always underweight and everything he always had issues like I would use the um, gripe water it was the only thing that like would calm his his stomach um, and since, I mean, of course, he's, he's older now, he's kind of outgrown it. But as soon as this happened with the baby, about a month into it, I realized that had been all of the things I'd been dealing with, with his older brother that we never even knew until I got yeah. a lactation consultant involved. And so now anytime someone is breastfeeding, I tell them, you have your pediatrician for their reasons, but you have to have access to a lactation consultant. You never know yeah. what's going on. You could be doing everything right, and they will just guide you a little bit and and you know make it even better fill in the gaps mm -hmm. yeah absolutely can i just say the reason for this is very simple um your immune system is having to deal with everything um and it makes antibodies out of protein in order to deal with things. Now, if it's making antibodies out of protein or if it's um, if, if the body is generating eczema on the child, you're looking at nutrients that are not being used for growth. Um, you know, there's only so many nutrients can, that a child can take in. And if, in fact, they're needing them for their immune system, that takes priority over growth because your immune system keeps you alive. Growth is stunted by the fact that the nutrients are going in and the baby's coping with as much as they can cope with, but it's getting diverted into immune uses rather than into growth uses. So those two things of 
looking at, is this a happy baby? Is this a contented baby? That's not to say it won't occasionally um, cry here or there, but there'll be a reason for crying that you as an attentive mother can know about. If it's a happy baby and a growing baby, then everything's going well. If it's one, it's not one of those, then something's going wrong because it's not a survival mechanism to make yourself obnoxious and to drive people crazy um, and to prevent them getting any sleep so that they're beside themselves. <laughs> you know, babies don't survive in environments like that. Uh. Well, thank you, Maureen. It's hard to know where to go. Yeah, I know. There's so much information here, and we could probably have 10 episodes and get <laughs> so much more, but we're going to have to wrap this up now. Thank you for joining us, Maureen. Thanks for having me. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Boo Group listeners. I'm Lara Adello, a certified lactation educator, the retail marketing manager at Best for Babes, and owner of Mama Pear Designs. I'm here to answer some of your most common questions about how you can achieve your personal breastfeeding goals without being undermined by cultural and institutional booby traps, such as two out of three hospitals market formula to new moms, but is the tide turning? With only 4% of the hospitals and birth centers in the United States certified as baby-friendly, many moms receive formula gift bags given out by hospitals, which are provided for free by the infant formula companies. It's a brilliant marketing move, and it works to get their product in the hands of new parents, many of whom never intended to formula feed in the first place. There is lots of evidence online about this practice, which can be found on the Best for Babes website in the Booby Trap series. Now, as smart as this idea was on the part of the formula companies, it appears that the tide is turning, and here's some evidence of that. A recent study showed a decline in the distribution of the bags. Time magazine reported in 2007 just 14% of hospitals refused to give out formula samples, and three years later, they checked back in with 10 states that had distributed the most and least samples and found that the percentage of hospitals declining to distribute freebies had doubled. The state of Rhode Island went entirely bag-free in November 2011. Okay, it's one of the smallest states by population, but the fact that this was heralded by the state with a press conference makes it significant nonetheless. Consumer advocacy group Public Citizen, in collaboration with the U.S. Breastfeeding Committee and numerous breastfeeding coalitions, launched a campaign in the spring of 2012 to eliminate the formula company bags down in hospitals. More hospitals are becoming baby-friendly. There were 141 as of March 2012. And of course, no baby-friendly hospital can distribute formula bags or take free formula for that matter. Kaiser Permanente recently announced that all of its hospitals will either become baby-friendly or use the Joint Commission's exclusive breastfeeding measure. And while they didn't commit to becoming bag-free at the non-baby-friendly hospitals, there will be a significant pressure to do so if they want exclusive breastfeeding rates to rise. New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg announced in April of 2012 that the city of New York will adopt the baby-friendly hospital initiative and is working to get almost 30 hospitals certified as baby-friendly in the next few years. 
The tide is turning, and the more aware mothers are, the faster we will see the practice of free formula bags end. Remember, education and support are crucial to breastfeeding success. If you are having difficulty, please seek help from a lactation professional sooner than later. Doing so will be a small investment when you consider the long-term gain of getting your breastfeeding relationship on the right track. A special thank you to Tanya Lieberman, IBCLC, for writing the Booby Trap series for Best for Babes. Visit www.bestforbabes.org for more great information about how to meet your personal breastfeeding goals. And my business, www.mamaparadesigns.com for breastfeeding supportive wearables. And be sure to listen to The Boob Group for fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and breastfeeding support. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, Newbies for Newly Postpartum Moms and Babies, Parent Savers for Moms and Dads with Infants and Toddlers, and Twin Talks for Parents with Multiples. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of new mommy media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.